Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Seven Habits of Highly Effective Mothers. First time I preached this was in 2008. And I don't think I've done it again since then. That was uh, the year after my dad had passed away. So my mom came and was was with us in service that day. Uh, And I think this was the first and maybe only message she ever heard me preach in person. And uh, so I suspect she'd be, she kept, and she kept that. It was when she passed away last year, I found the CD from this service on her cabinet, on her bookshelf. And uh, so she's kept it all these years, and I'm thinking, well, I wonder what my mama thought. You know, she probably thought, well, you know, this is an amazing accomplishment here. Never would have thought it, you know. But, uh, you know, sometimes we surprise people, and sometimes, you know, God just has plans. So we're talking about moms. And in Genesis 1, verse 27, it says that God created a man. He created them male and female. And really, you know, when you stop to look at that, in my opinion, the reason God had to create male and female was for a lot of reasons. Not the least of which is that his character and his nature is so big that it took two kinds of people to be able to demonstrate who he is. You know, in, 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 in male and female, you'll find all the characteristics of God, but you will find dominant traits in a man and dominant traits in a woman. Because he intended, when he put these people on the earth, he intended for them to multiply and fill the earth. And so you had to have two people for that. And so he put these dominant traits in the man. He put the dominant traits in, because they were going to be fathers, they were going to be mothers. And so today we're talking about mothers in, and, you know, it's important for you to understand that motherhood is not just some something. It is an important event. It's an important place that you have. If you're a stay-at-home mom, never feel like, you know, you're in some kind of minimal kind of a thing. Moms come in all shapes and sizes, They come in all ways of thinking. Some moms, you know, want to be stay-at-home moms. Some moms want to go to work. You know, some moms have to go to work. You know, there's just, there's a lot of things that just, that that we have in this life that are different maybe from anybody else. But if you are a stay-at-home mom, do not diminish the, the the job and the role that you play. Because those children are part of the plan of God for your life. And you are a part of the plan of God for their life. You don't know who you're raising. You don't know if you're raising a Peter. You don't know if you're raising a Paul. You don't know if you're raising a Billy Graham. You don't know if you're raising a Kenneth Hagin. You don't know who this is you're raising. God's not going to tell you probably, but he's going to tell you to do all that you can to raise them the way you're supposed to can. They're supposed to be raised and let him fulfill the plan of God in their life. Let him have the best possible product to work with so that they can walk out the plan of God for their lives. But you play a big part in it. Number one, the first habit of a highly effective mother is to maintain a personal relationship with God so that you can walk in that call and that gifting that you have as a mother. You have to understand that, number, number one, first and foremost, that child belongs to God. And he has entrusted you with that child. 
And if you don't have a personal relationship that you can pass on to that child, you are not going to have a successful child. Our job as, as a mom is, is first and foremost to have a relationship with the father. You know, in every part of our lives, to, to, to make that a priority, our relationship with him has to be first and foremost so that we can demonstrate that to the next generation. We need to be able to show them what it's like to love God. We, we will demonstrate to them who God is and how he loves us and how he cares for us and how he provides for us and how he's there any time that we need him. We're there to demonstrate his love to them. I know that you know, there, are, there are people who come from dysfunctional home life. You know, and they don't really understand what it's like to have maybe a good mom. But you know what? Moms are so important. You know, even even when you don't get along with your mom, there will come a day when you will realize how much she means to you. In spite of everything, no matter how difficult the relationship is, you will determine that she is a majorly important part of your life. Listen, on the battlefield, men who are dying call for their moms. They don't call for their dads, much as they might love their dad. Who is it they call? They call their moms. Many men have died on battlefields over the centuries calling out for their mom. Why? Because she demonstrated to them that nurture, that care, that protection that they had known since the day they were born. I, I remember... I remember Sister Ruth Dunn, you know, just before she went home to be with the Lord uh, many years ago now. And uh, we were in the hospital room that day when she went home. And you know what? She, she was not aware of anybody else around her at the time. She was very close to stepping over into glory. And what did she do? She called out for her mom. Mom, come get your baby. She was 80 years old. And she was saying, Mom, Mom, come get your baby. I'm ready. Mom, come get your baby. Listen, there's an important part, and there is something so innately connected between a mother and her child. And it's up to us to demonstrate the relationship that we have with God our Father to this child, this child, this ch- these children. Maybe you have more than one. We, we need to do everything we can. But motherhood is a, is a tough job. Listen, I don't know how anybody does it if they're not born again. Because I tell you what, as a born-again mom, you come to rely on the help of the Word and the guidance of the Holy Spirit to be able to do this job. It's not an easy job. It's not. There are days when you want to lay hands on those little blessings and, and, not, and not to bless them. You know, but, but, you know, it comes with the territory. I suspect God's the same way with us. There are days when we give him fits. And there are days when I, I wonder, God, wouldn't you just like to come down here and slap me upside the head and say, what is it with you? I suspect he does. And there are times when we have that temptation as well. Listen, if you're a mom, you're not perfect. You will make mistakes. You will have to apologize. And most of the time we don't necessarily apologize until they get old enough, grown enough that we can apologize and they understand that we're apologizing. You know, sometimes even when they're little, you say, I'm sorry, Mama shouldn't have said that. Mama shouldn't have done it that way. I'm sorry. It won't hurt you to say you're sorry. 
won't hurt you because you're just acknowledging the fact that except with the help of God, we cannot do this effectively. We can't do this successfully. I mean, there are people out there who don't really know God, don't really serve God, who actually become successful parents and they raise children. But really, except in the terms that God looks at, from the outward looks, they're successful. But from the way God looks at things, if they're not walking with him, if they're not walking in the divine plan that he has for their lives, there is no success that's worth anything. And it's up to us to make sure that we have that relationship that's so ingrained in us that we demonstrate it to our children every single day. You know, the, it says that if, if we make mistakes, we're, that God is faithful and just to forgive us. Well, yeah, okay. Your children need to see that when you make mistakes, you know, you go, you go to the Father and you make that right with Him. They need to see that when there's needs, that you go on your knees to pray. They need to see that when there's, there's something going on, you speak the word. You don't speak doubt and unbelief. You don't speak lack. You don't speak despair. You speak the word. Those are the kind of things they need to see in the relationship that you're going to demonstrate in front of them. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And let me tell you, there are phases of your children's life where you need to be reminded, I can do all things. I can do all things. I can do all things. I'm going to kill them before they're grown. Yes, I can do all things. That's why you, that's why you don't, grandchildren are why you don't kill your kids. You know, that is, that is exactly why. Because you want them to have the grandkids. Then you can get rid of them. <laughs> Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, sometimes you just have to go back and, Lord, I'm tired. It's been a long day. I've had kids and they just, you know, you go and you're worn out physically and mentally and emotionally. But the joy of the Lord is my strength. Remember that when the days of mothering are hard. John 14, 26, he talks about the comforter. And it says, the Holy Ghost, he's, he will teach you all things. There's so much you don't know. There is so much you can't know. There's so much that's not spelled out in the word. But every situation has to have an answer. And when you don't know what the answer is, the one that lives on the inside, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things if you will look to him for that. Amen. Number two, pray for your children. Don't assume that there's going to turn out okay. I take them to church three times a week. That is a terrible assumption. You need to be praying for your children every single day. In fact, optimally, it would be best to pray for children that you don't even have yet. To start praying for the potential children that you will one day have. Begin to pray for them then. But certainly when you know that you you have a child on the way, pray for them. Pray. Begin to pray things out. You think, well, I mean, they're not even born yet. I mean, listen, prayer paves the way for their future. It's not even a bad idea to pray for their future spouses before they're even born. So that they're prepared for the one God has prepared for them. There are many marriages that have never happened because because one or the other of 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 these two weren't what this person was looking for. You know, if you're not married, this is just a side. I like rabbit trails. Sorry. 
If you want, if you want somebody in your life, you be the person they're looking for. And then when it comes to your children, you want them to marry right. And it's never too soon to start praying those things over them. Never too soon. Wrong spouse is not a good thing. An f- old friend of ours, a pastor friend of ours, you know, we were talking years, several years ago uh, about, about her son's wedding day. She said she cried all day. And I said, why, you were so happy? I mean, I, was, I know what that's like. I mean, I cried, you know, both days my children got married. And she said, no, I was crying because I knew they were marrying the wrong person. That doesn't have to happen. It doesn't have to happen. Pray for your children. They need your prayers. Now in the day and age that we currently live, they need your prayers more than they've ever needed your prayers. They face things that some of us have never even dreamed of having to face. From the time they go, you think, well, it, it, you know, I don't really need to be that, that big a deal about praying until they maybe get to junior high or high school. No, right now they need your prayers the day they enter any kind of schooling. When they're out of your sight, when they're out of your care, even for just a few hours, a day you need to be praying over them because you're not there you need to be praying things out. god can alert you to specific things that need to be prayed out on any given day and as they get older those prayers become become greater you know for because their world has expanded and there's more places for them to go and more things for them to be involved in you know and right i mean i didn't raise children in the era of internet And if you're raising children in this era now, you have to be especially prayerful over them and what they come in contact with. I mean, we could spend, we could spend so much time here on, on just praying for your children. But James 5, 16 says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Listen, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous mother avails much. The Amplified says the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous mother makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Sarah and Hannah both prayed for their children before they were ever conceived. And there are mothers throughout the word that you see as examples who prayed for their children, you know, all the days of their lives, who were given instructions by God as to what to do and how to raise them. Number three, be consistent in your word as well as in your action. Be consistent. You know, having pastored for almost 42 years now, we see families come and families go. And we see the markings of children who didn't make it because they had parents who were inconsistent. They were inconsistent in their walk with God. They were inconsistent in their parenting skills. They were inconsistent in every part of their lives. And then they expect their children to grow up stable. That doesn't happen. They need to see consistency in every single area of life. You know, they need, they need to know that, that uh, there are things that are true. What you sow, you reap. They need to know that there are consequences to their actions. They need to know that, uh, that their father, God, is someone who never changes. And their mother is someone who never changes. That you will be consistent to them. They know who they can count on. They know what, you, they know what to expect out of you. 
They can predict what you're going to say. They're going to predict what you're going to do because you have been consistent in their lives at every area. James 1 says that we have a father, the father of lights, in whom there's no variables, no shadow of turning. Philip's translation of that says never the slightest variation or shadow of inconsistency. And Hebrews 13.8, Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. It should become a, a laughable, humorous thing for them to look at you and say, my mother, the same yesterday, today, and forever, because she is. But that will never happen if you're not living a life of consistency in every part of your life. You should never parent from a defensive position. But you should always parent as the person in charge. And the person who is consistent in their parenting is the person who's always in charge. You're in charge. You are the parent. They are the child. You know more than they know. And you must insist on what you know to be true. Of course, it has to be true. (laughs) has to be. So that leads us into number four. Set standards and expectations. Your child is a ball of flesh. That's all they are. They're a ball of flesh. And they must learn not to follow it. That's what we're here for as parents. We're here to help them learn to discipline their flesh until the day comes that they're old enough to get into the Word, get God in their heart, get Jesus as Lord and Savior, get them filled with the Holy Ghost so that He can start talking to them about subduing the flesh. But you can't expect them to learn that without you doing your part. You have to set the standard and expectation. There's absolutes. The Word has got absolutes of how we are to behave. God does not expect you as an adult to throw tantrums. You as a parent should not expect your children to get away with tantrums. Me say, Pastor Angela, you're just old school. Well, it worked. I can tell you, I know, I know there are people who, who say that, oh, there's a new way to parent. I don't think there's anything in this book here that says when you get to 2022 that there's a different way to parent other than what this word teaches. If it says in here that we're to discipline our child, I think God knows more than you know. There's something going around called grace parenting, and I honestly don't understand it. I really don't have a clue. Well, you don't punish, you don't discipline, you just explain, you just encourage. You know, uh, excuse me, but I think there's something in the Word of God that tells us that there's something called a rod. I think there is. You know, and well... That's, that's abuse. Not if it's done the right way. It can turn into abuse. But disciplining their flesh, if they don't feel some hurt on their flesh when they're young, they will find some hurt that's of a magnified consequence when they're old. Obedience comes at a price. 
And the price of obedience is putting my flesh under as an adult. And your child needs to learn that the price of disobedience is, is impactful. It's impactful. They have to understand at an early age that these certain things will not be tolerated. You know, I remember I, remember I, had, a, I had a niece um, at one time when she was growing up. You know, my mom kept her a lot, and my mom was talking about how stubborn she was and had she, no matter what she did, you know, how many times she spanked her. You know, she kept doing the same thing over and over again in spite of it all. And I said, Mama, you have to keep on doing it because if you fail to follow through on number 101, she knows she's got your number. Because next week it'll be 91, and the next week it'll be 81. They, they, they are good at seeing if they can outlast you and outmaneuver you. And they learn how to manipulate you at a very young age. They know how to get what they want at a very young age. Don't think they're smart. They're a lot smarter than you think. You know, Hebrews 12, 9 says, we have fathers of our flesh who corrected us. Well, how did they correct us? Well, they went to Proverbs. That's where they figured out how to correct them. Now, I, I, have, to, I have to admit, you know, that every child is different. And their personalities are different. And so some of the methods you will use in parenting will be different from one child to another because some things are effective with one child that aren't effective with another. That's where the Holy Ghost comes in to tell you how to handle this and what to do. But you still don't relax your standards. Your standards are absolutes that that you can... It's like true north. You always go back to the same thing and it never varies. It never, ever changes. You know, we're, we're not to let our children become conformed to this world. You know, as my kids were growing up, you know, they were under my control until they started going to school. And when they went to school, then they saw how other kids behaved and how they got away with certain things. And they would come home and they would try it at home. That didn't take but about a split second to correct. And as they got older, you know, they would push the envelope. Well, so, you know, I don't know if I ever heard this, this out of them, but so-and-so can do this. Well, I'm not so-and-so's mom. I'm your mother. And this is the way you're going to do it. This is the way we're going to do it. This is what we're going to do what I say. And so your children will, will push you. When, as, they, as they expand their world, they will come home and they will try to push you. And your, and your ability to keep the standard in place will bring them back to where they need to be. Well, it's not that big a deal. Yes, it is. It is a big deal. Learning obedience at an, at an early age is a big deal. You know, I, I, I have to admit that, you know, there were times when I would, I would tell them to do something and they didn't obey. And I may say it a second time and they still didn't obey. There was not a third. There was not a third. Listen, your children need to learn to obey quickly and with the right attitude. Because what you're teaching them is to obey the Father quickly and with the right attitude. And they can't learn that without your help. They need you to help them. They will not look at it as help until probably they have kids of their own. That may be the day when they finally understand, you know, what you were doing for them, what a blessing it was. 
That if your child has never said or thought, I hate you, you did not do your job. <laughs> That's it. Because they don't understand. And they won't understand. But you just keep doing what you know to do. God has standards and you find his standards that those become your standards. And what you will and you won't tolerate in them. And listen, when your children become grown and they have choices of their own to make, decisions of their own, if they make the wrong decisions, the life that they begin to live, the life they choose to live, don't step back and make excuses for them at that point. Just because they've chose something other than what God's word teaches does not make it okay. That's hard for a parent to have to deal with a child who's made wrong life choices. But don't condone it. Don't approve of it. You love them in spite of it. But you don't condone it. You don't approve of it. You don't tolerate it. You say, no, I'm sorry. This is what the word says. And you bring them back. And you keep praying because I'm telling you what, prayer still works. Even when they're grown, it still works. Hallelujah. You know, every child has a divine plan. And if you don't keep the standards and the expectations where they need to be, they won't be able to find that plan. They won't be able to walk in that plan. You know, Jochebed, Mary, Elizabeth, all women who did their job as mothers to make sure that the plan of God you know, was fulfilled in their children's lives. And it all, it all, this today all comes back to making sure that you, you give your child, child the best opportunity there is for them to find and walk out the plan of God. Number five, see everything is training. Everything is training. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart for it. We were raised in an environment that, well, you raise them up, and, and eventually, if they, if they walk away from the things of God, eventually they'll come back to it. No. If you train them up the way they're supposed to be trained up, they will never walk away to start with. They will never walk away. Do your job. Do your job. Train them up. Ephesians 6 verse 4 says um, that we're to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know, there is, there's another uh, version of this. I, well, in fact, I had it written in my Bible. It says bring them up in the nurture. Bring them up means the home environment. Your home environment should be a place that is a learning place all the time. Don't depend on somebody outside your home to teach them. You teach them. You train them. 20th century says, bring them up with Christian discipline and instruction. And another version says, in such training and admonition as befits the servants of the Lord. You know, it pays us rich dividends to to make sure that our children accept Jesus as Lord as early as possible. You know, don't decide that they have to wait until they're a certain age before, before they're able to understand that Jesus loves them and has a plan for them. You know, we, get, we, we have children who are born again, you know, in the primary department. That's ages three to six. And then they, they can get spirit-filled at that age group if, even. Certainly by the time they get to faith aisle in the elementary age, you know, we're, we're very quick 
to make sure that they understand they could be filled with the Holy Spirit. I have had primary teachers tell me about children who were problem children, and um, they got born again as four- and five-year-olds. Is this not true, Miss Jackie? And, and the difference in them was night and day. Listen, they can be born again early. They need to be born again early. You train them up. You train them spiritually. It's a matter of the heart. What your, your most important job is to get hold of their heart for the things of God, to make sure their heart is open and receptive. So many times we see people who bring their children in, and when they're young, they have such an open and tender heart toward the things of God. And then the parents' consistency just falls off the wagon. And the children lose that tenderness. And then from their own, it's hard to get it back. You see children over the years that come in and you know God's got their, his hand on their lives. And yet because of apparent inconsistency, they lose that tenderness. They lose that hunger, that love for God. And so when they become teenagers, they're not interested anymore. We need to train them up spiritually. We need to train them up physically. Don't help them establish bad habits physically. What am I talking about? Well, how about make your bed? How about keep your room picked up? Listen, as long as they lived in my house, my boys can tell you, it might be their room, but it's my house. And when I'd say, is your room clean? They go, oh, yeah. I go, "Uh, if I go in there, would I say your room is clean? They go, Just a minute. Just a minute. And so when I finally did go in there, yeah, it was up to par. Train them in those things. They need somebody to help them. They don't need to go out into the world all just scattered and hit and miss. Listen, God is a God of organization. God is a God of excellence. Where are they going to learn it from except in your home? It shouldn't be okay to be a mess. A teenager's room shouldn't be a disaster. It shouldn't be some place where you got to go, you know, take you five days to find them underneath all the clutter. <laughs> it shouldn't be. You should be able to walk in there. Now, I realize you know, there's, there's times in my house is a mess, you know, but I can't stand it that way for very long. I am, I am the queen. I can't. Yes, yes, there. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It is. It is a mess. <laughs> you just haven't seen it. He came, PG came in my house one day and, and there was clothes in the floor. And he goes, what? There's clothes in the floor? And I said, they're fixing to go to the laundry. They're about to go throw them in the washer. Give me a break. We need to train them socially. We need to train them how to share. How to put other people's needs in front of their own. We need to teach them what it's like to be a giver to other people. To help them, you know, in, in areas where you, you don't, you're not so focused on, it's not all about you, sweetie. Help them see other people and the fact that they could be a blessing to someone else and that it's a good thing to share. We teach sharing in, in, over here in this little age group. And I'm telling you what, sometimes I've heard some stories, you know, about these little one and two year olds, you know, they don't want to share anything, you know, it's just, you, know, that, you have to put a stop to that kind of nonsense. Socially, they need, they need to know these things. You know, I want to see parents who raise children that even in elementary school, they go to class with, a, with an understanding of what it's like to see another child who may have a need 
that they can just pray with them. Can I pray with you? There are children who come from terrible home lives, and they come into school. Your child can be, you can train them to be aware of those kind of people and the fact that they can be a blessing to them. They could be a blessing to people anywhere they go. Emotionally, they need to be trained. Teach them how to react the right way in any given situation. You know, the way my parents were, when we were being raised, it was kind of a thing of children should be seen and not heard. It's not really a bad idea. (laughs) But I know know that's a little over the board, overboard. But um, there are times when your children need to know how to behave in someone else's home. They need to be told how to behave in church. They need to be taught how to behave, you know, just when you're out in public. They need to be taught how to control their flesh. And I could spend a long time here, but I'm, but I'm getting, it's getting late and i got two more after this. So anyway, financially, we need to teach them how to handle money. When they're little and they get a birthday present, they get, somebody gives them a dollar for their birthday, or somebody just gives them a dollar just to bless them. Teach them early what tithe means. Teach them early what giving to God means, whether it's in missions or whether, whether it's... Teach them what it's like to be a giver and teach them what it's like to be generous givers. I, I, I got stories I could tell. Uh, after 42 years, I got lots of stories. But I've got stories of, of kids, you know, who, who were raised to be generous and kids who were raised not to be generous. And it shows. It shows. And you could have, you could have children come out of the same household and one learned to be generous and one didn't. Listen, generosity pays its big dividends. It pays huge dividends. The more you sow, the more you reap. When, I, when I'm open to giving God, use, letting God use me even to give to somebody else, you know, he's going he's gonna to give back to me. They need to know that early. You need to demonstrate that to them as well as train them in that. You know, they need to, they need to be taught how to dress. Oh, Lord, I could meddle. There are times when I have looked at young ladies and I thought, who bought that for you? And who let you go out of the house looking like that? I didn't have girls, I understand. I had guys. And so I don't maybe understand what it's like to be a girl mom. But I'm telling you what, if you set some standards and some expectations early on, you won't allow that to happen. And if you've gotten a hold of their heart, they won't want to dress like they should not dress. And I'll stop with my meddling right there. Number six, ask God to bring wonderful people into you and your child's life to help you and to help them. You know, as, as, as a mom, there are times when you just need a listening ear. You need somebody who's been down that road before you. You need somebody maybe who has a little more experience than you've had in this mothering business. Okay, what did you do when they get to the, got to this age? What, how did you handle this? You know, be, be open to what somebody has to say. Be open to their advice. Look, if you need some help, find the help. If you need somebody to talk to, find that somebody. But find somebody who's been successful in the raising of their children. 
pastor said years ago, he said, I'm not going to teach on children until I've raised you successfully. And I don't think he did. I think he waited. You know, and it's just, it's by the grace of God. It's not anything that we did of our own. And see, we have, we have to learn. Again, we have to learn to depend on the Word and on the Holy Spirit to do the job that God has asked us to do when it comes to raising these children. And, and uh, you know, there are people who God will put into your life. It could be your pastor. If he's teaching about children, he says something that you don't like that pertains to your children, just take a deep breath and say, yes, Lord, I hear that. I hear that. I hear that. I, I do. I do, I hear it. And if you're raising children, especially when they get to be teenagers, and your youth pastor comes to you with concerns, listen to him. The youth pastor we have around here has over 20 years of experience with your teenagers. And he's seen it, and he can tell, he can look at some things that are happening and tell you what the outcome is going to be if you don't do something. If he comes to you and talks to you about something concerning you, he's coming to you out of concern and, and love. Not just to be a pain in your, in your side. But he's coming to you to help you be an effective parent so that one day you won't cry over that child. We had a pastor. He was our pastor when we first got married and loved the man. He was, he was so good. He was such a people person. And he made the statement that has stuck with me for years. And he said, really, he said, everybody should ch- exchange children. You should trade off with somebody else. Because everybody knows what everybody else's kids need. Sometimes we're so blind, so we're so blind to the children that, we're, that are in our care that we don't see issues, we don't see problems, we don't see pitfalls that are ahead, and somebody else can see it. I don't want you to trade kids, but I want you to be open when somebody comes to you, whether it's your pastor or your associate pastor, a friend or, some, or anybody, and says, listen, I want to talk to you because God's put this on my heart, and I wouldn't come to you if it wasn't important, and I wouldn't, don't come to you lightly. I come to you to help you. Be open. Don't be offended. Don't be offended. You're, you're hurting yourself and you're hurting your child if you do that. If you put up a wall and, and, and refuse to listen. God wants, wants to provide help for you. So just see that he's got somebody for you. In uh, Titus, it says the aged, I'm not there, aged or experienced, I like that word better, experienced women are to teach the young women. And it goes on to say to love their children. Ephesians says he gave gifts unto men, pastors and teachers. Listen, just be open. Don't be foolish, but be thankful God has sent you help. Lastly, Parent with the realization that your influence will carry on for generations, whether for good or whether for bad. Second Timothy 1, verse 5, you know, Paul wrote this. He says, he's talking to Timothy. He said, when I call to remembrance the sincere faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in you also. Listen, you have a legacy to pass on. Don't think that it's just, it affects one generation. It affects so many more. I mean, I look back, and and my grandparents served God. My parents, they served God. We served God. My children served God. 
My grandchildren serve God. I expect great-grandchildren own to serve God. You cannot minimize the influence that you have and the difference you make. The decisions that you make today, what a difference it will make. Generation to generation. If I fail in my job with my children, they will have nothing to pass on to theirs. And whose fault will two generations later be that don't know a thing about God? Mine. If I didn't pass it on, if I didn't pass it on, two or three generations down will suffer because of what I failed to do. It's important that you and I as mothers do our job with the realization of how serious it is. Not just today, not just tomorrow, but for as long as we're on this earth, our children are looking at us and at our examples and at the things we say and at the things we do and how consistent we are in our lives and the way we live for God. They see how deep or how shallow our relationship with God is and that will help them determine one way or the other whether this is important or not. You know, growing up, you know, one of the biggest problems I had was I really, we were in church all the time, but I failed to see overall Really, the huge, the big, really was there much difference between us and people who didn't go to church? My parents suffered great, a great many things. You know, is that God? They, 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 they need to see so much out of us in every, there's not one area of your life that's not important to be where it needs to be in the plan. Every area needs to be as good as you can make it. Every area needs to be as solid in the foundation of the word. Every single area, it makes a difference. And no matter how old your children are, they still look to you as an example. I, I, know, I know of several, I, I, can, I, can name, I can name several instances right now that parents who raised their children and, and their children were struggling with some things as adults and they watched their parents make some bad decisions when it came to serving God, and, and that gave them the permission they needed to continue in the life in the wrong way. Gave them permission. Told them it's okay. If they can't do it, I don't have to do it either. I can just follow what my flesh wants to do. And, and that's a, listen, it's a generational job. It's a generational job. And you think, well, my kids are grown now. I don't have, have anything else. You, they need you more than ever when they're, when they're grown because they'll have families. They'll have careers. They'll need your help. As they raise families, they'll, hopefully they'll want your input because you did a good job on them that they now just now appreciate. They'll, they'll want your advice. They'll want your input. They don't want you just for babysitting. They want you to teach them how to be the parent they need to be. And just because they're grown doesn't mean that there's not more to teach them. And, you know, and, and until, until we leave here, you know, they're looking at us. 
But even when we leave and we go home to heaven, if they're still here, you know, they're going to remember all the things we said, all the things we did. And even when we get to heaven, we're going to be up there cheering them on. Not for natural things, not for natural success, but for success in the things of God. It matters. It matters. Everything that we do. And it's a tough job. But you know what? There's a lot of fun in it. There's a lot of humor in it. Sometimes you've got to laugh so you don't cry. <laughs> but, you know, God is there. He is our utmost help in everything. And when it doesn't seem like it's going all that well, you just keep believing God. You keep speaking the word. You keep praying for those kids. You, keep, you, just, you ask for help. So let's just run through it. What are the seven, highly, seven habits of highly effective mothers? Number one, maintain a personal relationship with God so you can walk in your call and your gifting as a mother. Number two, pray for your children. Number three, be consistent in word as well as in action. Number four, set standards and expectations. Number five, see everything as training. Number six, ask God to bring wonderful people, godly, spirit-filled, word-filled people into your and your child's life to help you. And number seven, parent with the realization that your influence will carry on for generations. It's not just one, but it's generations to come. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's stand. Amen. Father, I just thank you today for all the moms that are represented here today. I know there are people here today who are biological moms, stepmoms, foster moms, surrogate moms, people who have been able to be a mom figure in somebody else's life. There are people here maybe who in the school system that they're trying to be a mother figure to children who don't know what a good mom is all about. Father, I thank you for every one of them that your hand is upon them, that your word fully is in them, that the Spirit of God rests on them to fulfill the call that's on them as mothers. There's a great gift for a mother. There's great giftings as mothers. Father, we, we depend on you totally to fulfill what you have called us into. There may be more, but as a mom, that's my primary job, is to fulfill that call, that part of my life. And I thank you, Father, that you're helping every one of these ladies today fulfill that call for their lives as well. Amen.
At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.